Welcome to another episode of Hoggin' the Mic. I am your host, Tucker Partridge, back from a holiday hiatus, and with me is my co-host, Saul Malone. Say hello, Saul Malone. That's right, folks. We're coming back 100% more holly, 100% more jolly, filled with the holiday spirit. Auld Lang Syne, baby. Let's get rolling. Let's get out of this hell year, folks. Uh, unfortunately... We will not be doing so in a bowl game. As of today, right before we were scheduled to record our bowl preview, the Texas Bowl was canceled. Apparently TCU had some COVID issues and I they could not play the game. So unfortunately, no happy ending to the Sam Pittman's uh, inaugural campaign. But I'm kind of bummed, Saul. I'm really bummed. Yeah, I'm bummed too. It's like a very, like... Very fitting into this, like, crap Sunday of a year, just the cherry on top of just being like, the boys were loaded up in the bus, about to hit the airport, gonna fly down, play a a, a bowl game, the first one Arkansas has played in, in a very long time, and the boys are on the bus, and they get the call that the game is off, that TCU was having COVID issues, and just, you just kind of have to, like, you don't want to laugh at it, it's not super funny, but just it's also kind of one of those like, oh, of course, of course this is happening. Of course this is happening to Arkansas in 2020. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sorry, boys, we'll see you next year. Um, so, right, it's <laughs> it's insignificant in the grand scheme of, you know, all the issues happening right now around the world, but yeah. it is a bummer to kind of not get that little send-off that <laughs> I think all of us were looking forward to. Um, but we do have plenty to talk about because we have SEC basketball coming up and folks, we felt like we needed some extra hands on here. We needed some extra hands on deck. So we are happy to invite once again to the show, returning guest, I think maybe our first returning guest on the show. I think Nate's uh, our, so Nate was our first returning guest. Fair, fair enough. Sorry, Nate. Uh, second <laughs> returning guest, so getting your two times award. Uh, welcome of Arkansas Fight and Hog Hoops, Ben Brandon. Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Good to be back. SEC basketball is here. I've got Alabama and Ole Miss on my iPad right now. It, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It truly you is. You said, yes, you said it was the most wonderful time of the year coming up uh, on our last show, and it is indeed here. We are deep in... Uh, really, the co- college basketball season. We have finished up the non-conference slate and are about to start with a game against Auburn tomorrow, which will be today when you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> that will be Eric Musselman's team's first foray into SEC play. It will be at Auburn, taking on Bruce Pearl's Auburn Tigers. Ben, our first question is not Arkansas-related, um, but I guess we have to say, is Kentucky actually bad? Or is this just a bad start and bad scheduling, like your boy John Calipari said? I think uh, they're bad, Ben, just before we get started. I want to say that on the record. <laughs> I think they're bad. That, it feels good to just, just let that off your chest, right? It feels great. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. I mean, for for Kentucky, for the name that's on the jersey, yes, they're very bad. It's the worst start since 1911, I think is what I saw. But uh, at the same time, you know, there's a ton of teams in America they would still beat the tar out of. And even in the SEC, there's probably some teams they would beat. The issue with this Kentucky team is they do not have a point guard. They mm-hmm. rely so much on talent, and Calipari is forced – 
to use the X's and O's a little more than he's used to, I think. And it hasn't worked out that great. So yeah, they're not, they're not good, but I think they're going to get better as the year goes on point guard or no point guard. They're too talented not to. So the age old strategy of saying here, go be five lottery picks and beat everybody is not going to work this year. Interesting. Uh, we do have one Arkansas question to start off with the show, <laughs> and uh, I think it's one that's going to be near and dear to your heart. Uh, folks, if you are not uh, on the Twitter app, uh, you may have missed a little bit of drama uh, early on in the season as Eric Musselman missed a game due to COVID and called into the broadcast, and uh, Ben Brandon had some thoughts about that and was called out by eric <laughs> musselman on twitter so ben i'm going to ask you can you publicly apologize here and now to eric musselman and tell him to come on our podcast we need it we need a you on the record we need you on the record ben. yeah a a absolutely I i'll be honest i i tweeted irrationally uh <laughs> here's what happened here's what happened okay so I was home in Northeast Arkansas visiting my parents. <laughs> my sister was there, my wife. We were all watching the game. And if you know anything about my family, uh, it's a loud group of people. That's just all there is <laughs> to it. It's a loud group of people. And so because it's a loud group of people, you've got my dad yelling at players to move the ball. You've got my sister yelling to rebound. You've got me saying, you know, where's the foul, whatever. And I, I could not hear the broadcast hardly at all. I, I didn't know what the reasoning was. I just knew that Coach Musselman was allegedly talking during all this. And <laughs> as a result, uh, the play-by-play -play and color commentators were not calling the game. I didn't know if, if Desi Sills had three fouls or not. Uh, you know, we kind of rely on the commentators for those things. And so I tweeted out about midway through the first half, I actually prefer the broadcast without <laughs> Musselman on the phone. And immediately I, was just. I would like to say, Ben, everybody. that's a pretty, that's a pretty harmless tweet. Like all, all <laughs> things is. considered, fairly like, innocuous. Yeah. Not, like, considering not the takes you see on Arkansas Twitter, that's not much. Not much no. at all. And, and it was nothing personal, obviously. <laughs> like I, I just missed having a normal broadcast of telling me that that Moses Moody hits the jumper. You know all those things and. uh <laughs> But I went back and, and rewatched it without my loud family, and Muss was extremely informative, as always. It was very interesting. So, yes, Coach Musselman, I apologize. <laughs> Please forgive me. And, and while you're at it, I mean, why can't, why can't we make this forgiveness reconciliation process happen right on this podcast? I think that'd be the oh perfect format folks. for that. An olive branch on our very show. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know that was very difficult for you as it was deeply personal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to move on from that, Saul, do you have a question for Ben? Yeah. Um, I'm going to loop back around to, to Musselman here in a little bit, too, because I actually have a serious question about him. Um, but I want to start off with – I want to talk about Moses Moody because – Man, he has been really fun to watch through these eight, nine conference games. I mean, like a, a freshman, just really, really putting a lot of stuff 
on the floor and on tape, and, and you know, obviously, it kind of expected of him. But he's kind of came in with some of these bigger expectations. But is Moses Moody as special as he's looked through these first eight games? I want to say again that we'll lead into this next question a little bit. This has not been a grueling non-conference schedule by any means, but man, Moses Moody has flashed for me. And is this is that sustainable for him? Is or am I just getting a little too hyped on a guy that's been playing against some subpar talent? No, I don't think you're getting too hyped up. Uh, for me, what makes what he's done so special is that so much of it is just within the offense that Musselman is setting up. It's not like he's just getting the ball 30 feet from the basket, dribbling, crossover, boom, pull up. No, a lot of it is within the plays that the staff is using. And if this offense is going to be successful going forward, it's going to because it's going to be successful because it's it's going through Moses Moody. So he definitely has been special. You're right. the The conference non conference schedule has not been grueling, but um, I, I don't see any reason why he can't keep it up uh, at least to a really close pace uh, that he has so far. Yeah. Can I give? No, oh, good. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, to kind of piggyback off that, just we're 8-0 off this start as well. Uh, kind of, like I said, off the play of Moses Moody and obviously other guys around him. But 8-0 start, not exactly a non, not exactly a grueling non-conference schedule. Uh, but we're still undefeated, and that's worth mentioning, you know. Um, and does does this momentum carry through the SEC play, or do we think we're just kind of now figuring out what we want to be in as, as a team? Or do you think we can kind of carry? Yeah. does that 8-0 mean anything? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, ask a team like Kentucky. It it does matter. And and while our schedule has been a lot easier than Kentucky's, uh, eight no matters for a number of reasons. You look at the eight games. Yes, there's been some of them that have been dominating victories from beginning to end. And then there's been a few where uh, they've been really close early on, or even like the Oral Roberts game where the team really had to work to make a comeback. And while it is inferior talent, that experience for this group that is really new and and at least first time kind of playing together, those experiences are invaluable. Uh, to be able to go through those comeback victories, to control a game all the way through, you, you want your team to be able to win as many different ways as possible. And we've had some variance in those eight games. It hasn't just been total domination for eight games. There, there's been some close ones. There's been some comebacks. And I think that's what can give you momentum uh, to know that you can win different ways. So, yeah, I think we definitely carry momentum, but the pressure's on now that a real test is on the horizon tomorrow. What I guess when you're evaluating those eight games, what game sticks out to you is like this is the signature win of these eight games. This was the game where I thought, okay, I think I know what this team's about now. Well, two two games stick out. Uh, one of them was North Texas. That was only the second game of the year, but North Texas – Last year was really strong in their conference. They're going to be really strong in their conference again, um, playing in the Conference USA, kind of that mid-major level. But if you look at maybe the best team they beat, it was Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian only lost to Texas Tech by seven. Um, they had beaten every other mid-major opponent they've played. They've got some size. They've got some athleticism. And, and the Hogs really kind of took it to them. And so I think from a resume standpoint, Probably North Texas and Abilene Christian will be the best uh, once you get to the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, that that North Texas game was 
one I really enjoyed watching. And Ab- Abilene Christian was when we were out Mus, I believe. Um, he was he was out uh, with COVID at that game. So special to get a win without the coach. And unfortunately for you, he had to call into the the broadcast. <laughs> you had to start a flame war with him. But you know, and I, I think that does add a little bit to the to the wind shine there for sure. Um, who is emerging to you on this roster through these first eight games? It, it can't all be Moses Moody and. Our seven right. foot tall son Connor, uh, as much as fun sure. as we, I like watching him throw up threes. Who's someone that you've kind of maybe not? It doesn't even have to be like an MVP or just someone that's kind of caught your eye where you'd be like, huh? You know, I I didn't think this this person or maybe this guy, but you know, are we close to being in a, a place where we're like, this is just you know this person's world and we're all just kind of living in it? <laughs> uh, a couple guys that I think of, you know, Desi Sills is, is a fan favorite. This is his third year. He's an in state kid. And being kind of the only returner that's contributed definitely had a lot on his shoulders from a leadership standpoint. And he's played very, very efficient. Um, he's, you know, averaging 13 points a game. He's shooting 53% from the field. That's pretty incredible for a guard his size. This is where it gets even more absurd. He's shooting 63% from two. Hmm. Somebody that's six foot one. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously a thirty eight percent from three, getting assists, getting steals, making those hustle plays. He, he sets the tone. I I believe today is his birthday. I saw on Twitter and and the Razorback uh, basketball official account uh, tweeted like Happy Birthday to the heartbeat. And yeah, he is kind of the heartbeat of the team, uh, making making those plays and those sorts of things. And then obviously Justin Smith. Like we knew he was going to be a key piece coming into the season. But he's been really great on on the on the boards, and really great on the offensive glass. Uh, great defender, you know. I, I probably would like to see him shoot a few less threes and turnaround jumpers. Uh, but he's so athletic; he's just going to continue to make plays. Yeah, I'm a big Desi Stills fan. I just like watching him play basketball. Uh, he's just very athletic, um, and kind of is a ball of energy and kind of all over the court, which I think is kind of under explains the the heartbeat analogy there because he really is just kind of a source of spark and energy for this team when maybe other guys can't step up and lead like they need to or you know you know Moses Moody is a freshman he can't do everything all the time it's kind of nice to have Desi Stills there providing that spark and he's played well I mean I I know that a lot of times those kind of heartbeat of the team glue guys kind of tend to be maybe not your best players but and I don't know that I think Desi Stills is but He's played well enough to at least be in the conversation in addition to having to wear all of that, like, captaincy and guidance role. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the guy that's going to make the tough play. He's going to dive on the floor. Uh, his energy plays are going to get what little bit of a crowd we're allowed to have, um, yeah. uh, you know, get going. So he, because of those things, he's naturally going to be a fan favorite, and he's definitely living up to that so far. I have a question uh, that is a little confusing to me. We are, according to ESPN, second in the nation in rebounds per game. And many listeners who have stuck with the Arkansas Razorbacks for a long time uh, may be confused. What I mean by rebound is uh, after a missed (laughs) shot, you can jump up and catch the ball out of the air. And (laughs) I guess I'm just wondering, Ben, what is happening in Arkansas that we are second in the nation in rebounds per game? It's 
it's weird for us, right? Um, <laughs> it, it's it's very weird, and, and there's a few different reasons why it hasn't happened in years past, and we can go into that another time. But um, really, with this team, the athleticism is is the biggest thing, and then and then obviously the schedule we've played. Look, when you're playing all mid major or low major teams, one of the biggest things that are different about those teams is they just don't have the size that an SEC team is going to have. And so we've taken advantage of that. We've rebounded the ball really well. And, and when you've got a 7-3 Connor Vanover, you've got <laughs> Justin Smith who can jump out of the gym, Moses Moody who rebounds for his position extremely well, um, and Jalen Tate even. you know He's getting five boards a game at the point guard spot. Uh, when you're doing those things, it, it's easy to get your rebound numbers pretty high like that. Moving into, I guess, a discussion of what teams will be looking at in the conference, uh, who, before we dive into the schedule, has stood out to you? Before, when you were on the show, you mentioned Mizzou was kind of a sleeper game. I'm wondering if you're still kind of hovering around that pick. They are ranked uh, number 12 right now. Um, or if you had some other guy, other teams that kind of jumped out and surprised you in these first couple of games. Yeah, so you know, I'm still sitting fat and happy on that that Missouri pick. Really enjoying it. They're so good <laughs> since I called that early on. <laughs> um, I mean, they've they they've proven that. I think even more so than I expected. I mean, obviously they go on the road to Oregon. That's a long traveled game right there, and they get the victory. Oregon was ranked. They beat Illinois in a rivalry game. Who was ranked in the top ten at the time? Uh, but then what did they do last week? Not sure if you guys saw. They were facing Bradley at home. And they needed a and one layup from their 6'10 big man with one second left to score their 53rd point, which would give them the one-point victory. So, uh, <laughs> like Not probably great. everybody in college basketball, uh, there's the ups and downs. But obviously Missouri. Tennessee is good like we knew they were going to be. The team that's been a little bit surprising, I think, is Georgia. Um, they yeah. haven't played a real tough schedule, but they're undefeated. And I've watched a couple of their games, and, you know, they lost the number one pick, Anthony Edwards. They lost Rayshon Hammonds, who was a great, great player for them. But it looks like they're playing a better quality of basketball. And it may be too early to say that, playing against weaker opponents. But uh, I think Georgia might be better than they were projected. I think they were picked in the bottom, bottom three or four of the league. But maybe they could finish towards middle of the pack. Yeah, and I, that leads me into kind of this um, – question kind of looking into the first few games because i think that makes our first six game slate kind of interesting now because our first six games are auburn tonight uh as, as you're listening to it tonight which also kind of note we usually start our sec kind of conference play with a&m if i recall i think the last few years we've been kind of leading we lead our off with with the aggies but for some reason they're not here um we can talk about that in a second but our first six games are auburn 12th ranked mizzou seventh ranked tennessee this emerging Georgia team, LSU, and then Alabama. So I kind of thought of us as like maybe a four and two, five and one if we play Mizzou really well, kind of coming out of that situation. But now I don't know because, like you said, Georgia has been playing really well. LSU and Alabama, obviously not so much. Auburn looks breathable, although never really count out Bruce Pearl. He's Bruce Pearl. So yeah. our this first six game is kind of a little bit of a, a run here. What what do you think our record is coming out of this first six? It's it's so tough. So tough to predict this because we haven't played a real tough schedule and neither has other teams. Right. Uh, I, I do think we beat Auburn. Um, I think we can beat Missouri. 
I feel like we'll probably lose on the road against Tennessee. I think we'll beat Georgia. LSU and Alabama are so hard to predict, and here's why. Both of those teams, neither one can guard a chair without wheels. Neither team can play defense. You never know what to expect. Now, LSU, I watched them earlier tonight, Tuesday night. They, they beat Texas A&M by 25 or something like that. And like they always do, they have a lot of guys that can score the basketball, and they're very athletic. But Musselman, he split with them last year with an inferior roster. Mike Anderson in his final season split with LSU with an inferior roster. So the LSU games are always hard to predict. And then Alabama, you, you just never know what you're going to get with them. I feel like from the sports media world, Alabama basketball gets a little bit of love because how good Alabama football is. I know that sounds weird. but No, Jeff, that sounds no, I correct. Yeah, I mean, I, Jeff Goodman had Alabama ranked number 18 in his preseason top 25. Uh, and they have not lived up to that. I don't think they've been horrible, but they certainly haven't been what they were expected to be. Right. So, uh, you know, if we came out of this six-game stretch four and two, if I would be thrilled. Anything four and two or better, I would be absolutely thrilled. Because, I mean, honestly, you're getting two wins on the road. Four, four of those first right. six games are on the road. And if you come right. out of that going four and two, you're, you're getting two wins at least on the road, which would be awesome. Yeah. And like we said, I think that that Georgia emergence has been a, a surprise for me as well, and kind of just not complicates you know the first six games, but it it adds a little a little monkey wrench, I would say. Um, well, and and also Tom Crean is still the coach of Georgia, so we've got that going for us, right? Of course, <laughs> he's not the. <laughs> That's fair. He, my man will uh, they will find a way to shoot themselves in the foot, and we can just sit back and let that happen. <laughs> Um, speaking of coaches, we got a question about Musselman that is a little more serious this time because we're confused. Um, normally, yeah, and I say this with no hint of sarcasm. Uh, normally, eight and zero is very good, and people aren't writing yep. letters to a coach's home yep. about that. And so, we I, our question is what what is what is the deal with people mailing criticisms to Muss's family, like getting it like a little personal with this, like, I, you know, Muss is one of the best when it comes to Twitter banter and it can, sure. you know, no question he can handle that, but if it, it feels very personal to mail something to someone's home, especially threats against a family and a kid. And like, that's just, is not only weird, it's, it's unacceptable. And I don't claim to know who did it, obviously. And it, this could not be, I, I don't want to even put it on the fact this could be someone else. Who's not a real Arkansas fan. I, you know, yeah. but th- at the same time is like, they represent Arkansas fans, even if we, they might not be one. What What is the kind of disconnect here? He has the best starting record in the first 40 games out of any coach that we've had, um, or he's up there in the, in the top two or three, I believe. And I just I don't understand. Where is this vitriol or anger or, or frustration? What What's going on there? Can you kind of delve into the psyche of someone that might feel frustrated? Because I have seen no reason to be frustrated. Yeah. And I do think, by the way, that – it. I'm seeing it more on like Twitter and forums as well. Like this isn't an isolated incident. I'm seeing a lot of anger. So yeah, uh, yeah. Speak to that, please. Well, there's, there's a couple aspects I think about one. um, It doesn't matter who the coach is, no matter what they've done, there's always going to be naysayers and things that they do that, that people don't like. I, I get a guy in my Twitter mentions pretty regularly that, does not like Coach Musselman uh, because apparently Coach Musselman has short man syndrome, is what this guy claims. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, just it, it gets so kooky out here in these Twitter streets, y'all know. 
and <laughs> uh, oh, yes. I mean, just, just just and I, on the message boards, it, it's crazy some of the things that people will claim. Uh, I think with Mike Anderson, we got used to seeing ten or eleven players get get reasonable minutes for better or for worse. Mike Anderson played ten people. That's just how it was. For better right. or for worse, uh, you rarely saw Mike Anderson dribble the entire shot clock out. Um, and we had that for like eight years. Nolan Richardson would have played a similar style back in the glory days. And so for some people, I feel like they can't get out of that mindset a little bit is we need to be playing more than eight guys. And you add in this freshman class that we had, you know, it was a top 10 recruiting class. All these kids are from the state of Arkansas. And so it's kind of personal uh, for some of these fans, you know, somebody like KK Robinson, who has shown some flashes, can't seem to be on the floor longer than two minutes. And that really frustrates uh, some fans. But like you said, you know, I, I did the, the math. It took me a while. But Musselman is tied for the second best start through 40 games in Arkansas basketball history. The only guy that's got him beat out is uh, Eugene Lambert from back in 1942. Uh-oh. Got him beat by one Well game. known. Yeah, Eugene Lambert. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, everybody's heard of him, right? <laughs> so it, it's just absurd uh, for him to take over this program, have them on the verge of the NCAA tournament last year despite – the roster shortcomings immediately have an incredible recruiting class and get off to this hot start. It's just crazy. But this goes to show, and I've said this before on Twitter, you could give somebody the option to take a pill and every need and want in their life could be met. There are people out there that would complain that the pill was a capsule. Like there's just some people, it doesn't matter. They're going to complain. About anything or about something. You cannot make them happy. Yeah. Lessons to take away for Twitter, for sure. <laughs> uh, I know I myself could apply them, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, to close out uh, our show, I want to play a little game, I guess, based off of the first eight games. Kind of see how you're feeling about uh, each member of the roster that has registered a minute. Okay. So I'm gonna we're we're gonna delve deeper into the psyche, if you will, and okay. play a little word association. I want oh, you to brother. give me just the first <laughs> word that comes to your mind uh, when I name a player. All okay. right, so we're gonna start in alphabetical order. Devo Davis, energy. Ethan Henderson, hectic. Vance Jackson. Streaky. <laughs> Brandon Kimball. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Moses Brandon. Moody. Pro. Bryson Moorhead. Skinny. J.D. Note. Bucket. Emika Obukwelu. Walk on. K.K. Robinson. Undervalued. Desi Sills. Heartbeat. Justin Smith. Freak. Jalen Tate. Everywhere. Connor Vanover. Unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Jalen Williams. Boardman. And Eric Musselman. 
Oh, I got to be careful. I might get a tweet on this one. (laughs) (laughs) You just buried the hatchet. Don't forget. (laughs) Future. Nice. Future. I like that. I like those answers. Uh, Yes, every single one of those players that I listed has played at least one minute for Arkansas basketball this year. Um, So uh, if you haven't heard of some of them, you uh, are more than welcome to look up our roster at Uh, (laughs) ArkansasRazorbacks.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. Uh, It was really fun. Really fun to kind of dive into what's looking to be an interesting and intriguing and Probably pretty challenging SEC basketball schedule. Yeah, man, really appreciate you guys having me on. So excited to get this conference slate underway. I, I'm so nervous. You know, this is the, the best team we've had in a long time. And as a fan, I'm feeling the pressure. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited for tip-off tonight, and maybe some of that pressure can go away and we can come out with a victory. Yeah, same. It's uh, like you said, it's, it's, it's fun to like look at this team and be like, oh, this is a, a squad and we have – a coach that knows how to put the pieces together. Um, and it's all kind of building to a dare say, I say like a hopeful feeling, um, but also just kind of a apprehension of being like, well, the year that we've played incredibly well out of conference, we have choked away an SEC play before. I have seen this movie. Um, so yeah. um, I am cautiously optimistic to say the least, but I think I'm more in the optimistic than cautiously camp. For sure. Same here. I'm excited. Ben, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we sign off? Yeah, man. Same stuff as always. Uh, I I write covering the Razorbacks for ArkansasFight.com. I I have game previews and recaps and other stuff going on. There's all kinds of other content as football season is wrapping up and baseball season is around the corner. Don't want to miss that. And then, as always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at BenBrandonHoops. So, thanks, guys. Thanks, Ben. I've been Tucker Partridge. He's been Saul Malone. You can follow us at Tucker Partridge and at Saul Malone and at Hog and Mike Pod on Twitter. Uh, keep a lookout. We have obviously a lot of more content coming. Uh, basketball season is well underway, and baseball is just around the corner. Uh, Saul, do you have any last words? Uh, Coach Musselman, come on the pod, baby. Let's talk. Go Hogs. Whoop egg. <laughs>